hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Anime Nostalgia Podcast. As always, I am your host Dawn. Today I am back with another short review episode. For those of you who might be newer to the podcast, a review episode is just my ultra fancy name for a podcast episode that I record myself where I go back and revisit an older anime title I haven't seen in years take some notes on what I remember about it, and then go rewatch it to see if I still feel the same way about it as I did back in the day, since, you know, as we get older, sometimes our tastes change, or we pick up on things we didn't notice before, you know, all that kind of stuff. Simple, right? Anyway, I usually run my podcast on a schedule where I'll do two longer episodes, with a guest where we go in-depth about something, and then one of these short review episodes to give myself just a little bit of a break. So if this kind of episode isn't your favorite type, don't worry. This isn't how every episode of the podcast goes. Next episode will be a longer one with a special guest, so please look forward to it. Now that that's out of the way, let's get on with the episode. For this month, I felt like going back to something that was shoujo-based. So, after looking through my giant list of things I've been meaning to cover, I realized I hadn't gotten to the 1989 OVA Blue Sonnet. Not to be confused with the mid-90s TV anime series Blue Seed starring Megumi Hayashibara. Now, Blue Sonnet was one of those rare titles based on a shoujo manga that actually was translated and brought over in the early days of anime by Central Park Media on VHS in America. But the reason why Blue Sonnet was brought over here, from what I remember, is that this wasn't what we typically think of when we think of a, quote, shoujo property. From what I can remember, This is more in line with what we think of being just your stereotypical 80s OVA. Things like ultraviolence, a bit of nudity, and other things intended to shock and entertain viewers. So I think that's one of the reasons why this OVA kind of stuck out in my mind. I remembered being pretty surprised when I learned later, after I'd watched it, that this was based off of a manga that ran in a magazine that's demographic was young teenage girls. In fact, the series ran in Hanato Yume magazine, which is the same magazine that ran titles such as Glass Mask, Here is Greenwood, and Fruits Basket. But to be fair, This is also the magazine that ran slightly more unusual fare like Skebondeka, Please Save My Earth, and Angel Sanctuary. Which is just another example of how wide and varied the shoujo genre really is, I guess. I can't remember much about the actual story other than the main characters are espers because it's the 80s and psychic powers were still all the rage, of course. And it included, protagonist with secret powers must run away from evil organization trying to capture them and harness their power, as part of the ongoing main plotline. Other than that, I really can't remember much about it, or even if I remember liking it or not. 
I know I either rented it or borrowed it from someone back in the day, but since I was pretty much watching anything I could get my hands on back then, some titles kind of blur together after a while. Which is another reason why I really wanted to revisit this one. So I guess now's as good a time as any to finally get around to watching it, right? Let's see what I think now that so much time has passed in this month's rewatch. is a lot, so it's kind of hard to figure out where to begin. I guess, first of all, if you're at all interested in checking out this OVA, be forewarned that there is a lot of heavy content in this that you should be made aware of, like brief glimpses of forced prostitution, violence against women, assault, and gore. And that's literally in just the opening of the very first episode. This kind of gives you an idea of the kind of OVA we're dealing with here, though. I promise I won't go into specific detail about any of those things, but just know that, well, they're in there. <laughs> Our story revolves mostly around Ran Komatsukizaki, a high school student who's starting to develop powerful ESP powers, and Sonnet Barge, a powerful cyborg esper spy from America sent to capture Ran by Dr. Joseph Maricus, a scientist for a cybernetic organization called Talon. The doctor is obsessed with getting his hands on Ran because he believes that deep inside her she carries the power of the legendary esper the Red Fang, and he wants to use her powers to conduct twisted experiments. As Talon's forces continue to toss everything they have at her, Ran's latent powers start to emerge and she grows stronger, and the stakes seem to rise in every installment of this five-part OVA. That's the main plot in a nutshell, but in between all that we get a hell of a lot of fighting, and gore, 
and a somewhat rushed backstory. <laughs> you see, the original Blue Sonnet manga was apparently fairly long, and they had to somehow condense the story into just five 30-minute OVAs. So there's times when the pacing seems to go at almost breakneck speed, especially if you're watching all five episodes at once. I know that, realistically, a better way to watch this would have been slowly over time, as it was probably months in between each episode's released in Japan, but around 32 years later, watching the whole thing at once feels like watching an extremely long extended director's cut of an 80s sci-fi action movie. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. The fight scenes in this OVA, for the most part, are well animated and fun to watch if you're into the more hyper-violent fare of the 80s anime variety. Glowing auras, evil scientists, fireballs and explosions, sometimes of people's heads, are super commonplace, which are often combined with things like flowing shoujo hair and glittering tears. It's a wild contrast, especially with the anime's obvious shoujo-inspired character designs, which kind of lean more towards a 70s style than what would have been considered a more modern style in the late 80s when this OVA was starting. I chalk that up to the anime trying its best to translate the style of the original manga artist, Masahiro Shibata, to something that looks reminiscent of the original manga, but for the then more, quote, modern era. It also didn't surprise me much to discover that this shoujo manga was done by a man, which was much more common back when Shibata was becoming a manga artist. The work kind of reminds me of a title that I mentioned earlier, Skebondeka, which is another shoujo series done by a man. Both are much more action-oriented than what we typically think of when it comes to a shoujo series, with more pulpy sci-fi story elements rather than magic or fantasy. In fact, from looking up info on the series in Japanese, the creators were apparently friends, and Shinji Wada, the creator of Skebondeka, apparently helped Shibata a little in the early phases of the manga because Shibata didn't have any assistance at first. Speaking of the original manga that this was based on, when I was looking up information on Japanese websites, I was surprised to find a lot more information on the series than the English Wikipedia pages had. I'd known that the full title of Blue Sonnet was actually Red Fang Blue Sonnet, but the English release just defaults to calling it Blue Sonnet, probably just to make it sound a little less confusing. What I didn't realize was that while the English Wikipedia page does say that the original manga is 19 volumes long, what it doesn't mention is that on top of this 19 volume series, it is also related to a series that started in 1975, referred to as the Red Fang series, with the first manga in the series called Wolf Girl Ran, and the second being just called Red Fang. Combined, both of these series are 13 volumes long, meaning that before Blue Sonnet ever even came out, there was already 13 volumes of connected backstory. 
So it's no wonder that the story only barely makes sense at times, on top of the 19 volumes they're already trying to squish in here. There's no way that they'd be able to not only allude to years of already established backstory, along with having to cram a 19-volume story arc into only five episodes. It almost reminds me of the way that the old JoJo's Bizarre Adventure OVA started in the 90s. If you had no experience with the original manga, or knew about the legacy of the series, it felt like you were missing a lot of the context as to why certain things were happening and what made them so important, even when the story tried to explain it to you. I'm sure that, ultimately, people who were checking out this OVA when it was being released in Japan were either expected to already be fans of the series, or were supposed to be enticed into picking up the manga after watching this. But, since that was never the case for the English release, it really feels lacking in some parts of the story to some degree. Although, thinking about it, the fact that this OVA has to hastily explain some things or rework some elements altogether to fit into a somewhat coherent story, that's kind of part of the charm? I can't really think of many other OVAs where a major plot point is that one of the characters was basically raised by wolves for a brief period of time as a baby, but everyone acts like that's not at all unusual whenever it's brought up. Sonnet also wears a funky little headpiece? Headband? Thing? all the time, even when she's working undercover, pretending to be just a normal transfer student. And again, no one ever seems to think it's unusual until she goes full Esper Cyborg and it kind of turns into this weird combination of sunglasses slash face shield. It does look cool, almost like a tokusatsu kind of thing, or akin to Sailor Moon's tiara, but when she's wearing it and trying to look like a totally average, not-at-all-spy teenager with normal clothes, it's very hard to take things seriously. Things like that are peppered out throughout the whole five-episode series, which I think is what helps give it a little more personality. Like, yeah, these things are a little odd, but everything is presented to you so sincerely, it definitely gives the series a bit more personality than some of the other long-forgotten Esper-based OVAs. There is a lot of really cool stuff in here. I mean, I'm hard-pressed to think of any other shoujo-based OVA where you can see a girl punch a guy's head off and a tank exploding. But it's hard to gloss over all of the OVA's problems. While the main characters of the OVA are two very powerful teen girls who do get a lot of surprisingly good character development over such a short amount of time, they also get tossed into some situations that almost make it feel like the script is just trying to find new and horrifying things to put them through purely for shock value. So if you're not into watching stuff that includes young women in peril, especially some of the stuff I mentioned earlier, you might want to skip this one altogether because it comes up multiple times throughout the five episodes. And I won't spoil the ending, but I did find it a bit disappointing and anticlimactic. 
It really felt incredibly open-ended for something that seemed to be constantly sprinting towards a big finish. The Japanese Wikipedia page alluded to the series having some release problems with the final episode, as the company producing the VHS, Walker's Company, went bankrupt during its release. They did manage to get it all finished, and the series would later be put out by Toshiba Emi on Laserdisc in Japan, but never on DVD. I'm uncertain if that also meant that the actual anime production was affected as well, but I couldn't find any concrete information about it. Either way, it wouldn't surprise me if that was one of the reasons why the ending seemed a bit lacking. But for anime fans back then, this wasn't anything very new. Plenty of OVAs throughout the 80s and 90s would have extremely open-ended finales, or even none at all, due to being based on unfinished manga or just lack of funds to keep making anymore. And no matter how super-powered and high-energy Blue Sonnet was, it seems that it too couldn't outrun that curse. One of my favorite things about this OVA, however, was the music. The opening and ending themes are really catchy, especially the opening, and the insert music is very good. Unfortunately, the music for this series is simply credited as a band called Go! Exclamation point, which makes it very difficult to look up online. The lyrics for it and all of the vocal tracks in the series are credited to Kimiko Inoue, with song composition by Yoichi Tominaga but neither of them seem to have done any other credited music work, as any information I googled relating to those names either just came up with Blue Sonnet or weren't related to anime or music at all. It's unfortunate because the music is definitely one of the highlights of the OVA for me, but I guess since it didn't exactly fly off the shelves, they never did anything else after this? It's a real shame. The sound and music director is at least someone who's done way more credited work, and that's Susumu Aketagagawa. He's worked as a sound recording director for Akira, an audio producer for The Dagger of Kamui, and a sound director for much of The Legend of the Galactic Heroes series, just to name a few titles on his resume. The screenplay for this OVA was a collaboration between Seiji Matsuoka, who wrote some scripts for Ashtano Joe, Star of the Giants, and Lupin III, and Koichi Mizuide, who is probably best known for working on Speed Racer X, a bunch of the older Doraemon films, and writing the screenplay for The Humanoid. <laughs> Which, if you've ever seen The Humanoid, I think that gives you a pretty good idea as to the level of some of the writing going on in this OVA. So, depending on your taste, that could be very, very bad, or still bad, but in a fun way. <laughs> the director is the late Takeyuki Kanda, who was the original creator and director of Galactic Drifter Vifam, and also directed Mobile Suit Gundam The 08th MS Team, Armor Hunter Mellowlink, and a pretty good chunk of the Ultraman anime series. Animation directors include Katsuishi Nakayama, 
who worked on episode one, whose previous works include key animation on Kimagure Orange Road, Yu Yu Hakusho, and an animation director on the Gunsmith Cats OVA, as well as Hisashi Abe, who was also an animation director on X the Movie, Vampire Hunter D Bloodlust, and a key animator on Dirty Pair, Affair on Nolandia, who worked on the remaining episodes. With all of this talent, it's no wonder that the action scenes were really fun and enjoyable to watch. Speaking of talent, some of the key animators include Kazunori Takahashi, who was an in-between animator on Angel's Egg and did key animation on titles like Miracle Girls and Magic Knight Ray Earth. We also have Toshi Shishikura, who did key animation on The New Adventures of Kimba the White Lion, Cutie Honey Flash, and Magic Users Club. And finally, Hisashi Katsumata, who worked on in-between animation on Lock the Superman, Gall Force the Eternal Story, and Megazone 2-3 Part 2. There's also some actual pretty big names when it comes to the seiyu in this OVA as well. I had completely forgotten that Sonnet herself was voiced by the iconic Hiromi Tsuru, who's best known as Bulma in Dragon Ball, Madoka in Kimaguri Orange Road, and Ukyo in Ranma One Half. Waka Kanata plays Ron, and you might have heard her before as Shildi in Gall Force, Tomoko in Dear Brother, and Soldi in Genesis Climber Mos Pieta. Ichiro Nagai played the evil Dr. Merkis, and he also played the roles of Cherry in Urusei Yatsura, Karin in the Dragon Ball franchise, and Haposai in Ranma One Half. Masahashi Hironaka plays Bird, and you can also hear him as Siegfried Kircheis in Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Kimihiko Masumi in Kishin Corpse, and Zact in Record of Lados War. Nozomu Sasaki plays Ran's little brother Wataru, and he was also Tetsuo in Akira, Clef in Magic Knight Ray Earth, and Ariel in Cardcaptor Sakura, among many, many other things. We even have a brief appearance by Emi Shinohara as Ran's friend Yuri. She also played the roles of Biko in Project Eiko, Makoto Kino, aka Sailor Jupiter, in the original Sailor Moon, and Presia in Magic Knight Ray Earth. While the series never got a dub released in the U.S., there was a manga UK dub produced that was released in the UK. I rewatched the original Japanese for this episode as that was the version I had seen and owned myself on VHS, but I did find that someone on YouTube had actually ripped and shared the entire manga UK dub online. I listened to a little bit from it, and from the small part I heard, it actually didn't sound bad. Garrick Hagan as the evil doctor was an immediate standout to me, as he couldn't seem to stop chewing the scenery whenever he was on screen, which honestly fits really well with the pulpiness of the story and the dialogue. If this series ever somehow got a re-release on DVD or streaming, I hope it'll include this dub for everyone to enjoy. 
It would be nice if this could somehow get a nicer re-release, or if someone could do some kind of upscale to it, because the old Central Park Media release's video quality is really bad. I don't know what happened with it, but the VHS's colors look off, as if they were really washed out. And there's a weird problem where anything that's supposed to be a bright white color has black streaks in it? I don't remember this from when I first saw it, but maybe younger me thought it was some kind of very specific design choice? Whatever master tapes might be out there, there has to have been a better version because the clips I saw of the Manga UK dub release looked a lot better than the release we got here for whatever reason. So, when it comes down to it, would I recommend this OVA? Well, I think to the right audience, I probably would. If you're a fan of violent 80s action stuff with espers in the vein of Angel Cop, Harmageddon, or even Akira, then you'd probably get the most out of Blue Sonnet. It was definitely released in America during the era where a lot of what fans wanted from anime was just nonstop action and gore and maybe some cool science fiction tossed in, and Blue Sonnet really fits that bill to a T. I'd also say that if you're a fan of slightly cheesy but super pulpy and occasionally poorly paced OVAs, and you don't mind a little bit of gore, violence, and young women in peril, you might enjoy the parts where the actors really get into the more wild bits of the plot. Fans of cult or, quote, bad anime will find a lot to have fun with in this series, to be sure. But if you were hoping that this series, based on a shoujo manga, would have more in common with, say, Please Save My Earth or other science fiction-based shoujo, well, I'm sorry to say, but this won't be for you. If the premise sounds fun, but you think the content sounds just a little too extreme for you, you might be better off trying the OVA that was made for Skabon Decca, which is not exactly science fiction, but it's a lot less gory and violent and has 1000% more yo-yo fights. And that about wraps it up for this review episode on Blue Sonnet. Also, many thanks to those who left me tips this month on Kofi. Shout out to 1000 Jutsu, Ben, and several others who wished to remain anonymous. Thank you all so much for your kind tips. If you want to get a shout out on the next episode of the podcast to be just as cool as they are, all you have to do is go to my Kofi account and leave me a tip of two or more coffees. I'll have a link to that in the show notes, which you can see at animenostalgia.blogspot.com, as well as at animenostalgia.tumblr.com, where you can also find other relevant links for this episode, as well as links to past episodes. You can also find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Just do a search for the Anime Nostalgia Podcast and you can usually find it. And while you're there, you could always show my podcast some love by leaving a rating or a review. I always love seeing what people have to say about the podcast. Or if you want to send me your thoughts and comments directly, or you just want to say hi, you can always email me at animenostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. It might take me a little while to get back to you, but I promise that I do read all the email that I get. 
My amazing theme song music was done by Carobit. You can find more about him and his music on his Twitter at Carobit. As always, I have been your host, Dawn, and I will see you next time. Thank you.